Brother Brian, I'm the student pastor here. But before I start, I want to let you know if you're visiting a teenager or a parent of a teenager, I always stand in the back. I would love uh, to talk to you guys. But I, I want to read from Mark 6, verse 30 through 34. Uh, a lot is going on in Mark, Mark 6, a, a lot with the unclean spirits. The disciples were sent out. Uh, John the Baptist was beheaded. The feeding of the 5,000, and we get down here to Mark 6. Uh, verse 30, and it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place, but many saw them leaving and recognized them. People ran there by land from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. So as they stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he began to teach them many things. Pray with me. Father, we thank you uh, this morning as our hearts are heavy for many uh, on the coast. Lord, we thank you that we're able to gather here and, and worship you, sing to you, pray to you. And Father, may today... Uh, we just hear your word speak clearly to us and to our lives. For it's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. And listen, when I was in the Navy, uh, I had a friend named Dana. His full name was Dana Troy Otto Lynn. Now, we were close friends. He was from Minnesota. And since I didn't have much family, every time that we would take leave, we'd take leave together, and we would go up to Minnesota, and I fell in love uh, with Minnesota. I know the Day Brothers, they, they, they're from Minnesota, and we have these conversations about Minnesota all the time. So we went up one time, we took leave for two weeks, and we get up there, and Dana ran into an ex-girlfriend of his. And so they started talking, and he come to me, and you, you gotta, you got to know this, and you got to try to picture this. And my wife, who is here, sitting here, you can ask her after the service if this is true or not. I didn't always used to be uh, an outgoing person. Uh, a lot of the things I suffered as a child with the abuse and the abandonment and all that, I was secluded and I didn't really like to be around people a whole, uh, a, a longer than 20 minutes. That's, that's about how long I could tolerate people. No offense to, to anybody. It wasn't your fault. It was all my fault. Um, and Dana come to me, and this is how I was in the Navy. I was a quiet guy. I was reserved, and there's times when, uh, because we were in the burden of 80-something people, there's times I would get in my rack and just pull the curtains because I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't handle, I can't handle all this. And so Dana comes to me and says, hey, man, I got a favor to ask you. And any time, if you're a man in here and you know your best friend comes up to you and says, hey, I got a favor to ask you, you know it's probably not going to be something that you enjoy um, or something that's going to work out for the benefit of you. So I'm like, what's the favor? And he said, all right, I ran into this girl and we dated and, and man, we're rekindling things. And, but here's the thing. Her cousin is here from New Jersey. No, I know what's about to happen. And he says, we need to double date. Do you mind just kind of going out with us? And we'll go to the movies, which I thought, okay, that's fine. Because if the movie's one hour and a half, two hours, that's two hours I don't have to make conversation, right? So I'm like, sure. I wasn't thinking about Alabama, New Jersey, how, you know, I have a hard enough time living in Tennessee because people in Tennessee think that like Alabama to Tennessee is from Alabama to Canada, right? They're like, hey, you have an accent. And I'm like, so do you. 
But I understand, I, I say words that people, people are like, what is he talking to them? What? Um, especially Lynn. Um, he isn't kidding about the translator sometimes. I think they may be one that's hard to follow me around. I have no idea, but the double date happens and this girl gets in the car and she says a record number amount of words in a short time. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I just met you. I can't, I can't comprehend it. And it, we have students like that. Man, I love these guys right here. But the Wood Sisters, I don't know if you ever met the Wood Sisters. They can say an amount of words, am I right? And so, especially Annalise, no sugar, no candy, no, no, you don't need any of that. Just stick her up here, boy, and she'll let you know everything you need to know a year's worth. It's like, da, 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 da. Olivia Vermilia, da, 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 da. it's just, just really fast. And this is how she was. She was in the car and she was shooting all these words. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then Dana and the other girls like, hey, let's just not go to the movies. Let's go hang out. And I'm like, what? I was physically, mentally exhausted. I don't know if you've ever been there before. And we don't admit it a lot. I had a, I had a woman tell me not too long ago at an event I spoke at. She was talking about her daughter. Her daughter's an adult now. And she said when she was a kid, she would just follow her from room to room to room to room, just talking, 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 talking. And she was like, there's sometimes I would go in the bathroom and just shut the door. I'm a horrible mother. I'm like, well, you, there's a whole lot of others of us that has to join you if you're horrible. We're, we're, we've all had those moments. One author says that silence is abstaining from sound in order to open our spiritual ears and listen more closely to the voice of God. Silence is just something that we don't practice much. I mean, think about it. Uh, Silence is seldom desired in our society. We fill every moment with noise, the radio, TV, communication, power tools, motors, even in our quiet times, I noticed this as God, God really wore me out preparing this sermon as he usually does or supposed to do with preachers when he wears us out and so we'd be able to, to talk to others. But I even noticed in my quiet time, it was filled with noise. Now, now we will say, well, you're listening to worship music, but it's like I can't just be alone and just, and just sit in silence. I thought about that in this sermon. I told Aaron, I was like, man, I thought about just coming up and, and for 60 seconds not saying anything. And Aaron's like, wow, that's awkward. That would be awkward. Y'all would look at me like, is he going to talk? Some of you might, have, might be sitting there saying, this is awesome. I hope, hope he don't talk. Um, but the thing about it is we, we, we don't desire communication. Our silence. We, we, we fill our, our, our lives with noise, and there's a reason for filling our lives with noise. I know for myself, there's a lot of times that I don't like to come to grips with who I am. I don't like, especially through the Word of God, like James tells us, we're staring into a mirror. There's a lot of times when I don't want to stare into that mirror and allow God to show me who I am, so I will fill my world with as much noise as I can. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this. He said, we are so afraid of the silence that we chase ourselves from one event to the next in order not to have to spend a moment alone with ourselves, in order not to have to look at ourselves in the mirror. And I I asked myself and I ask you, why in the world would we want to practice um, silence and solitude? And 
I have a few things I want to point out about it. One, the reason we want to practice silence and solitude is simply because Jesus chose silence and solitude. And the goal of everybody in here, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and I ask you, what is your goal? The majority of you would come back and tell me, um, I want to be more like Jesus. I think, that, I think that's everyone's heartbeat in here. If we're followers of Christ, we would say, hey, I want to be more like Jesus. And if we want to be more like Jesus, we have to come to grips with it. Jesus chose silence and solitude. Because what did Jesus know best to do? He knew when to say no. He knew when enough was enough. He knew when he needed to rest and when he had expended his energy. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. He knew when it was time for him to be with God and to be filled back up. And we in the ministry are especially horrible at this, as we'll see here in a little bit. It's a fact. It's how Jesus started his day. In Mark one thirty-five. it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and he was praying there. That's solitude. You, you, you get up and you go to wherever it is that you go to. A lot of you, uh, if you have quiet times, you probably have a place that you go to specifically um, to do that quiet time. And, and, and I'm trying to challenge you as I was challenged. Is when you're doing that quiet time, when you're in that moment of solitude, do it in silence. That's what Jesus chose to do in Matthew 14, 10 through 13. So he sent orders and had John beheaded in a prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to the mother. Then his disciples came, removed the corpse, buried it, and went and reported to Jesus. And when Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. Luke 5 15 through 16, but the news about him spread even more and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. We need those times to where we can just remove ourselves from whatever situation it is that's going on in our life. Whatever it is. I know the story I told you at the beginning, that there's so many times I wanted to remove myself from the situation because when we start listening to our own thoughts, Instead of God's voice in, in silence, we start coming up with some crazy ideas. And I remember that day as I was talking to this girl from New Jersey. I'll take it back. I didn't talk. She talked. Um, and, and, and she was telling me, da, 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 da. And like, we talked two different languages because like, I, I was driving and I said, okay, I'm going to go straight. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, straight. Because in Alabama, straight means ahead, right? I, I don't, that's how I grew up. And, but she said, it's forward. It's forward. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. She said, you go forward. I'm like, okay, fine. I will go forward. So as I'm driving, I'm thinking like, in my mind, I, the, the silence of listening to my own thoughts, I was thinking of things. I'm just being honest with you. I was thinking, okay, do I drop her off? Can I leave her somewhere? Do I got jail time for that? If I do go to jail, how much time will I get? Will I still live a productive life? Because five to 10 years seems worth it right now. That's listening to our own thoughts. Look at the moments when Jesus chose silence and solitude, beginning of his ministry in Matthew 4, before choosing his 12 disciples in Luke 6, upon hearing of the death of John the Baptist, as we just read, Matthew 14, after feeding the 5,000, also in Matthew 14, after a hard night of work, Matthew 
or Mark 1, after extensive ministry, Luke 5, as he prepared for his work on the cross, Matthew 26. In church, if Jesus needed these moments of solitude, how much more do we need them? If Jesus practiced silence and solitude, and that's what I was reminded of this week, it's like, hey, Brian, if, if your Savior practiced it, goodness, how much more do you need to be practicing? Because I make some stupid decisions sometimes. I don't need to tell some of you. Some of you have seen them in person. Some of you have been witness of My wife's sitting there right now. Like, If I could amen, I would say amen, right? She can't amen. I'm just glad she didn't. That's a little embarrassing to let you know how your husband made some stupid decisions. But I have made some stupid decisions because I tried to do things a lot of times myself. And in 20 years of student ministry, of being in the ministry, I will confess, it, it, it wasn't until God called me here over a year and a half ago that God began to show me how ridiculous I have been, how arrogant at times I had been, how at times the reason why I go through burnout, and, it, and it's, it's a statistic, and I hate the statistic, but it is that student pastors in today's time usually only last a year and a half to two years because they burn out. We in ministry are horrible at taking a break of solitude and withdrawing because at times we start to get this little ego thinking, okay, I'm doing all this. And we don't take time to withdraw Take time to recharge and we need silence and solitude to refuel. Because I, 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 could, I could, in a crowd this big, I can go ahead and tell you, I bet you they, they are people in this room that in your mind, you may have not said it loud, but in your mind you have screamed, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. God showed me one way that I was doing church wrong and especially in the ministry is there's times when I felt like coming into church was like punching a time clock. I was just exhausted and, and, and tired and, and the reason was because I was doing everything in my own strength. In our text, when we go back and we look at Mark 6 and when the disciples had come and, and reported everything that Jesus said, that Jesus said, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. See, Jesus even chooses silence and solitude for his disciples. Upon return from ministry, the disciples in Mark 6, 7 were given authority over unclean spirits and Jesus sent them out in pairs and in verses 12 and 13, we see them preaching and driving out demons and healing people. And see, when we do cool things in ministry or in our walk with God, there's a big chance, like I said, that we start thinking we were the ones doing it. Pride can set in and we really start thinking that God can't do these things without us instead of us knowing we can't do these things without him. I left one Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago and, and, and the way that I'm able to trace back the hand of God and how he has been shaping me, I left a couple of weeks ago and I had to go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama and speak at an event because I have a non-profit where I go to a lot of middle schools and high schools and speak and sometimes I have to go on a Wednesday or a Sunday, and it just happened to feel, you know, fall on a Wednesday. And in the past, the 18 years prior in ministry, I would panic, like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Because you know what? All the student ministry is about me. If I'm not there, it's all going to crumble. It's such arrogance. 
But I had such peace driving from Alabama because I knew, I knew Jimbo was going to take care of, of everything that I normally uh, take care of. I knew Aaron, I knew Wade, I knew Julie, I knew all these leaders that God has blessed me to be around. They love these students just as much as I do. They pour into their lives just as much as I do. It's not about me. They're the first time it feels good to say that that what we see, and God's doing some really cool things, really cool things through these students in ministry. We've seen Anna Shrum up here singing, leading worship, using talent. There's students that serve in the back. There's so many students that, that sing on uh, Wednesday nights. I'm sitting here, Logan and, and, and Savvy and Leah and Kayla and Kayla and Hannah. Am I missing anybody? Grace. There's so many. I'm looking. There's a lot of you to count. Yeah, my daughter. I'm sorry. (laughs) My daughter, but there's so many. They use their talents, and now they're starting to drum up like, hey, Lynn came to this morning and said, hey, one of the students came to me and asked if there were any mission projects that they could do in the community. That has nothing to do with me. I'm just somebody that God called and said, hey, I need you to come and I need you to represent these students and and lead these students in these ways. Their parents and everybody else I put in their lives, they're going to do all the rest. Just love them. Just love them, be there for them, and support them outside the walls of the church. And God does everything. I have the best team. And I'm bragging on them for a second. I'm not kidding. I have the best team that I've ever, ever been a part of with staff and with my student leaders and my adult leaders. It, it is a blessing. But there's times when God has said, okay, I need you to withdraw. And I need you to come with me and rest in me because I have equipped everybody else that Jimbo's and Wade's and everybody else to be able to carry along everything that's going on. Meaning that if God takes me home tomorrow, and and I I don't know, he he could or cannot. I pray he don't, but it's God's choice, right? I'm ready. I'm not not scared. But I know if God called me home tomorrow, this still rolls. It has nothing to do with me. It still clicks. They still come. They still worship. They still lead. They still serve. Why? Because it's all about God. Nothing about me. It took me a long, long, long time to realize that ministry, being in a relationship with God, has nothing to do with me. In times when I get out of hand, and when I start to get a little bigger or a little ego, God has put people in my life that aren't afraid of honesty. Hey, Brian, I need to, okay, let me play a part here. Ego, Aaron Loy. I don't know if any of you ever met Aaron Loy. No problem in being honest. Zero. Am I right, Leah? Zero. I've heard Leah say, hey, how about we change this? Aaron's like, no, it's good. It's good the way it is. But I know. I know that, that people, God puts people in it, not to be offended, not for me to get offended. And there's sometimes when Aaron may say truth, and I'm like, ah! Have you ever done that? I mean, we're, hey, we're 
human. You can talk to me. You can be honest with me. You don't have to give the church answer. There's people in this room, just this week, you have looked at your spouse, your boss, or somebody in your life. Your sibling, it doesn't matter. Because maybe they told you the truth about something that you know is true, but you don't like because then you have to come to grips with yourself. And we never are going to come to grips with ourselves if, if the people that tell us the truth in our life, if we don't take a step back, go and rest in silence and solitude for God to, to say, hey, you know what? The person that told you the truth, by the way, uh, it's going to set you free because you are being a little arrogant or you are being a little full of yourself or you are making a really bad decision. We need people like it in our lives and we need moments like this to just get away in silence and solitude because Jesus chooses it for the disciples and he also chooses it for us. I got a text this morning. I, I, I sent to Tammy and it was a cool thing because I said, Tammy, I have to add some things to, to, to my sermon that God pointed me. I was panicking because I was like, man, I hate to give all this to her. And I said, are you on vacation? Because I didn't know if she was on vacation or not. And, and she's like, yeah, send it. It's fine. I'm here today, but I'm not. But my team, even if I wasn't here, my team would be able to help you out. They know what to do. And I was like, that's, so, that's why I love being here. I pray all the time, and, and, and I don't know how y'all pray, but somebody told me a long time ago, hey, you know what, just stop trying to be too churchy, and things. Just, just talk to God. And, and there's conversations I have with God now. I'm like, hey, God, I really, really love where I'm at. And, and I don't know what your heart is for me or your will for me is. I, I want to do whatever your will is. But it, there's a little bit of that selfish side of me. It's like, God, I really love it here. I love these teenagers. I love these parents. And it's like I've said so many times, in student ministries, there's just not a lot of youth pastors that will come up to the stage and say, hey, I love the parents. I love our parents. They're cool. They support. They pray. That's the cool thing about this ministry and why Jesus is, is able to tell us that, hey, you know what? Go be by yourself. Everybody else has it because I'm working through them as well. It's not about us. And the more that we can retreat to be alone with him and listen to him and draw strength from him, the more we're able to recognize just how much we need him. So Jesus recognized this and he immediately encourages the disciples to refuel by retreating from public to be with him alone. In a moment, he is going to show them just how much he is the source of their strength because as you know, as you read on in Mark 6, there's about 5,000 people that need to be fed. And Jesus, by the time he had done, went and withdrew and was alone and come back feeding the 5,000 wasn't any problem the disciples jumped in they were seeing all this wow everything is done through him by him as Colossians says for him he is the source of our strength the source of our power anything that we do that's worth anything if we are believers in Jesus Christ was done by him Regardless, no matter how much we think that we are involved and we did everything and we may want praise and that's the thing why Jesus drew the disciples back because they had done, started uh, healing people and casting demons out and Jesus recognized this like, okay, they have a shot to get a problem, have a problem with ego. So I need to tell them, come with me and withdraw and rest. 
He prescribes this for us as well. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Habakkuk 2.20, but the Lord is his holy temple. Let everyone on earth be silent in his presence. Zephaniah 1.7, be silent in the presence of the Lord God for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice and he has invited his guest. Church, there are times, there are times to speak to God and then there are times to just simply behold and adore him in silence. And when we do that, we start hearing God's voice more clearly. And hearing God's voice through silence and solitude is a must if we're going to maneuver in this life. James 1.19 says, My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. As I said in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. How in the world can we know what the Lord wants to say to us if we are never alone with him and quiet enough for him to speak to us? You ever thought that? That James 1.19, people get offended by it because they're thinking that James is like, hey, shut up. But in, 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 in reality, James is saying, shut up. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. We just have a problem with listening. And if we have a problem with listening, then how in the world are we listening to what God is really telling us clearly? You want to know how I knew I was a bad listener? I was taught this one day, and maybe this will help you as much as it helped me. A pastor told me a long time ago, Brian, if you are talking to an individual and they are talking to you and you are already thinking of a reply to them, by the time they finish what they're saying, you are a horrible listener. I was so mad. I was already thinking of a reply to him by the time he finished his sentence. Man, we have such a hard time of admitting ourselves that, okay, maybe I'm not exactly who I need to be in Christ. And here's the thing, that's okay because he's not done with a single individual in this room. I can promise you that. Look how long it took him to get me to the point to realize that, hey, Brian, you know what? Sometimes you can be arrogant. Brian, sometimes you talk too much. Brian, sometimes you don't listen well enough. He said, we just want to talk, 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 talk. And we do that with God. We're like, God, here's my problems. Here's my problem. Here's my problem. Here's my problem. Here's how you need to fix these things. And you, I'm sorry, I'm just talking about it. If you, I'm sure none of you have ever probably told this to God, but I need you to fix things like this. And if you don't fix things like this, then we have an issue. I felt that. I felt that in my grandmother's passing. The only person that had ever shown love for me in deep loss, we have those moments where it's hard for us to go and just be with Jesus and listen to his voice. Especially during chaos and storms. And I guarantee you in a room this size, a lot of you are dealing with some kind of storm that is in your life. And chaos is one of the biggest enemies and one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses 
against us. You want to see something cool? I teach this to the students all the time. When I first got here, this was the first thing that I taught to these students, and I wanted to make sure no matter how sick they got here of hearing it, that it was embedded in their brain, that they knew it because it's a truth. Because in John 10, 10, it really does say, before we get to the life more abundant part that we skip to, that the enemy comes to... That was one of the weakest... But that's okay. You weren't prepared for it because the enemy wants to. Here's the thing, church. We have to be reminded, and the reason we have to withdraw, the reason that we have to come to God in silence and in solitude, because I can promise you this. One thing we have failed to realize, the enemy could care less about your hurt, your pain, your loss, your financial difficulties, your marriage troubles. You, the, enemy could care, the enemy doesn't like you. He hates you and the church needs to be reminded. There are a lot of things and reason we don't withdraw because the enemy is just using us as puppets, man, to, to accomplish everything that he wants to accomplish. His goal is to steal from you your joy, your time with your family. He wants to steal everything that brings unity. God, God doesn't want unity. Or, uh, the enemy doesn't want unity in, in, a, in a church. And people all the time say, hey, why don't we have unity? Because there's an enemy and we have forgotten that there's an enemy. And we're not quiet enough to talk to God to realize that, hey, God, I can't beat this. This sin that I am buried in, this addiction that I'm buried in, I can't beat this. Of course you can't. Because you have the enemy right behind you, right beside you every step of the way reminding you, you're addicted, you're addicted, you're addicted, you're addicted. Do it, do it, do it. Go, go, go. Lie. Steal. Gossip. And when we come to God in the midst of of this chaos in our life. Here's the cool thing. I want, I want to read this to you as a finish. Matthew 14, 23 through 9. It just, just to prove to you why we're able to come to God in, in silence and solitude in the midst of these storms that we face. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already over a half a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against him. Around... Three in the morning, he came toward them, talking about the disciples walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come. I want you to remember the word come because it's very important. Come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. It is estimated that in this moment, you need to picture this, the disciples were uh, well out in the middle of the water. A storm had arose and way the mountains were and how high they were. It was pitch black dark. They were waves that were battering the boat and they were overpowering the disciples. And the only one that had the most experience in this situation, Peter, he was about to jump out of the boat. Of course, in pitch black dark, every single one of us that would have been in this moment would have been scared to death too. The disciples were human just like we were. Just like you're scared in whatever storm or trial you're facing right now, you may not admit it, but there's fear inside you because you don't know if God really has you. 
We don't say that out loud enough because we, we, we think, well, people are going to think less of me as a believer because I have doubt in, in, in God and, and what do I do because has Jesus forgotten me? Man, we think that so many times. It is estimated in this situation, pitch black dark in the middle of a raging storm, Jesus was six miles away and it says that he could see them. Six miles away in pitch black dark in the middle of a storm. You don't think that Jesus sees your storms and trials right now? Of course he does. Maybe it's not working out the way that you want it to work out, but you have to retreat and you have to just go and spend time with him alone and listen to him. I've had people all my life that tell me things like, oh, man, church just isn't for me because I had a bad experience in church. And I'm like, well, you know what? I've had a bad experience at the doctor's office, but I still go. I have a bad experience at the grocery store the other day, but I still go. Why? Because I want to eat. Church is the only place where people say, I had a bad experience in church, so I don't have nothing to do with it again. No, we don't have nothing to do with it again because we know when we come in here and we're in the presence of God, God's going to show us exactly who we are, and we're afraid of that. We're afraid to say, I'm not perfect, and we're afraid to say, I don't have all the answers. We're afraid to say, I'm scared to death, man, because I've been messing life up so much on my own. I've been addicted so long to things that I know that when I walk in, I can just feel the enemy with the shame and guilt and you don't feel like you're in a safe place. And I'm telling you this morning, you're in a safe place. There's times that we have in the midst of our storms of silence and solitude that we just need to hear Jesus tell us, come. And he says that in Mark 6.31, come. James 4 it tells us to draw near to God and he will draw near to us. Matthew 11, 28 through 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. That's Jesus' command as Aaron and them come back to the stage. That's Jesus' command for all of us. It's always, when he, when he walked up to Lazarus, when he was in the tomb, Jesus didn't walk in the tomb. Did you notice that? He met him halfway, but he told Lazarus, come. I don't care what you're dealing with this morning, pride, what storm you're dealing with, what trial that you're going through. What, maybe you're like me. Maybe it, maybe it took you 18 years to realize, you know what, I'm nowhere near who God wants me to be. And God is trying to surround you with great people that will speak into your life and help you and guide you along. And you're fighting it every way every step of the way, just the way that I was. And today, I just want to share with you, is, is there's crosses over here to the side of us, and a lot of times what people will do during response time, they'll go to the cross and they'll write down, there's some cards over there, write down some things that they need prayer for, and they will pin it to the cross. <clears throat> or maybe you just want to simply <clears throat> come and pray, or there will be people on the side, standing on the sides, man, they'll be glad to pray with you. 
I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get you to realize just like I did. Do you need rest? Do you need silence? Do you need solitude? Is it something that you practice? If it's not, I challenge you today to make it part of a spiritual discipline in your life. Let's pray. Father, we give you glory this morning and we thank you. We thank you for so many times telling us the truth that we need to hear. And Lord, when we get away in silence and solitude, we're able to hear your voice more clearly. We're able to refuel. And we know we can do that because your son chose silence and solitude all throughout his ministry. May we follow his example. May we add it to our lives. And may we let you shape us into the people that you desire and want us to be. For it's in your son Jesus' name we pray.